Live from j Radio in New York. This is the Kishrenia Ram. Archie Grumble here with Nisim. Thank you, Nisim. We have a special guest in the studio, Shia Rubenstein. As a matter of fact, he came out with his new CD, Sharia Plato. He's going to tell me in a few minutes what the mirrors mean and everything like that, of where the songs come from. We have so many questions for him. And if you have a question, you can text us in at 347-927-8398. You can listen at calling 712-432-4217 or 718-506-9099 or on the JRU Radio app or on the Naki Radio. That's standing right so nicely by me. Anyways, I asked the riddle, I asked the question, partial question, why did Hashem say to Lavan, uh, why did they uh, do as the Mo, uh, the, the Yaakov brothers? Uh, anyways, so I asked that question last week. <laughs> um, and uh, if you want to advertise, you could email me at New Kishroni Hour. That's N E W K I S H R O N H O U R at gmail.com, or you could uh, text me 347 927 and if you want to text us in, or you want to listen, so one two four three two four two one seven, and you can uh, also participate by calling seven one eight five zero six nine zero nine nine. That's to listen. And yeah, I believe we're ready for Shia's uh, Rubenstein, and we're gonna ask our questions <coughs> that I had printed out so nicely over here. And uh, well, Shia, anyways. Let's talk about First of all, uh, I would say that jump, jump, let me jump. Welcome, Shia, to our studio. It's not the first time that you are here, right? Thank uh, you, Reb Nessam, and thank you, Reb Moshe. It's an honor and a pleasure to be back in the studio. Yes, and great. I know that you uh, you have a new uh, new c- CD right now. And Reb Moshe, it's you, the microphone right now. Yehuda? No, it's your microphone. My microphone? Okay. Yes. Yeah. So, basically... Basically, we know that uh, the CD came out. How many weeks ago uh, was this uh, CD came out? So this CD came out right for Hanukkah. It came out the Thursday before, so it's about two weeks, uh, two weeks old or two weeks young. Two weeks young. Well, so how did you start off with the music? Number one, how did you start it off? What, what, what got you into it? What got you into singing? What inspired you to sing? So I know f- you wrote some songs yourself, right? How do, how do you start that? What, what, what's, the, sure. what's the trick to this? So first of all, good evening. Thank you for the opportunity to be on the uh, on the wonderful J-Root Radio with uh, Nissim and Maish. <clears throat> and second of all, before I start, tell me which camera am I looking into? Is it the one straight ahead of me? Right ahead. Okay, I don't know wonderful. if it's working. Nisim, is it working tonight? Yeah, everything. Baruch Hashem, it's working. So Great. So far, yes. Okay, great. So, uh, yeah, it's an honor and a pleasure to be back uh, in the J-Root studio. I remember I was here uh, before some of my concerts and last CDs. How many years ago were you here? So, uh, that's a good question, but I'm I'm not sure I want to tell you. It may make me sound old. Oh. But, no, but <laughs> I've been here before. <laughs> um, but I really do ap- appreciate the opportunity. I started singing uh, about 23 years ago. I was uh, 17 years old, and I... I started singing. I became a chazan in the Bradley Beach, New Jersey uh, shul. 
I think it was called Agad Desachem. So that's pretty much what started me off in my career. And I went from there to uh, some other shuls to be a chazan and a baltfila. I also uh, was a chazan in Mexico for several years. And um, I put out my first album about nine years ago called uh, A Hafti. And I also put I out a... I believe it had a song, Window in Heaven. No, that wasn't... That's right. It had the famous Window in Heaven, which had been you know viewed since about a quarter of a million times. So that was a fantastic song. Um, what's interesting is the song spoke to so many people just because it was uh, it had a fantastic message, irrespective of my voice or of the production. People just loved the message that it gave. They always felt that they can connect to it. Um, yeah, so I did that in many different concerts. Um, the next CD I put out is this CD called Shirei Hapleta, and um, let's uh, talk about Shirei Hapleta. Uh-huh. Uh, <coughs> yeah. I'm sorry that Go ahead, Nisim. Jump up and down, down. I know, but you know, this is a Kishoni hours, right? This is basically, I give us to our kids the the feeling that they can do. You know, that it seems like you started a little bit late, right? I can't, you know. Is do you do you have the the I know either the talent before seventeen or just you discover suddenly that you are really like to sing uh, seventeen years old? You know. Uh, just you know, for our kids, all the the Kishtoni hours is basically to give our kids that all of us has a different talent. Everyone is for us, for any kids, has a different talent. You know, uh, I know that uh, I was kids. You know, I I like to take apart stuff. You know, this uh, everybody was so that I'm a little bit crazy. You know, <laughs> but talent is talent. You know. Each one of us. So, how how you discover your talent, and what is give you the the you know the idea to come and singing all this? That's a very good question, and thank you for that. So, I started publicly singing at seventeen, but I did uh, participate in choirs as uh, as I was a kid, as young as ten and eleven. So, I definitely started my singing before, but I wasn't sure that <clears throat> that I wanted to do this uh, you know more professionally. And I do have an older brother who's a Baltfila, so when he pushed me, sometimes you need that person to push you. And when he pushed me, I said, you know what, let me do Shachras on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. I'll do it for a small crowd out of town that don't, doesn't necessarily know who I am. So in the worst case scenario, if something happens, it won't be the worst. And that's kind of what you need. Um, you know, sometimes you need somebody to push you a little bit, and sometimes... You have to listen to that little inner voice in you that says, "Give it a shot," because we all have we all have talents. No one is standard. Nobody is just another one of six billion people. We all have our talent. We can either squash that little bug inside us that says, "Do it," or we can always, uh, you know, give it a shot. And if as long as you're not afraid to fail. As the Gemara tells us, um, first of all, kol haschalot koshot, and also, ein habayshin lomed. So a person who's not embarrassed will learn. So you have the talent. You always wanted to do it. It's really time for you to do it. Now, you may have to perfect it. Maybe you want to be a musician. You want to play guitar. You want to speak in public, and you're not a professional. So there's no question that there's so many resources from you know online courses and YouTube and mentors and speaking to people. For everything, there is always someone who can make you better at it. And um, but ultimately, you have it. 
and you have to just push yourself just a little bit to want to come out of your box and you'll succeed. Well, and that's, it's, I know that we have to along the hours and we talk about the CD, but you know, the question like this, how, how the parents, how are your parents took it? You know, how are your parents, you know, very important as a parent to see when they have a kid something talent, how they push it, how they're doing it. So that's a very good question. I think some parents naturally push the children and the children are not interested, but it's what the parents think that they want for their child. But I think if you're a good parent and true parent, true to your children, you'll actually let them go after their own passion of what they want to do, not what you decided for them to do. Um, you know, years ago, parents wanted their children to become a doctor, even if they didn't want to. Um, I know I have, you know, I, I was trying to push one of my children to play guitar. And he said, Abba, I really don't want to do guitar. I like to do drums. And I said, oh, yeah, yeah, you're going to buy, I'll buy you a drum set. And all I'm going to hear is banging and banging the entire evening. You know, they say, if you want a bad neighbor, buy your son a drum set. But then I came to the realization that if that's really what he wants to do, let him become a drummer. Let him have the talent of being a drummer. And perhaps he can use it in the future. So number one, as a parent, let your children pursue their own dream. Don't make your wanted dream their dream. And try to nurture your children's dream and their your children's talents. So if they want to do something and you feel that you have the capability, help them develop it so so they can uh, you know bring it to fruition. And of course, you know give them the confidence. Yeah, a very, very, very important message. And I want to the kids themselves, you know, so many times you see, no, we are, I'm adult now, but you know, many times I see that a lot of adults, as you said, become professional, so professional because the parents and the environment just push them to do what they don't like. And then the end, basically, they're losing it. And the kids, if you feel that you really are into it, go consult your parents, consult your grandparents, grant a teacher, rabbis. <coughs> I'm sorry that. <laughs> Anyways, so now I'm gonna now I can answer my last week's question since I got it open finally. Uh, so the answer to the last week's question: What did the brothers mean by "vechachsena as the It wasn't last week; it was really a few weeks ago. And uh, unfortunately, I wasn't here last week. And uh, well, one of the answers was: "We'll hide his death." And number two, the practice of murders was to hide the death. Therefore, Yehuda said. We're going to look like we're killing him indirectly. Even this will have a severe punishment. And this week's Parsha's question. Now, if you know this question, let me know. And you'll be entering a raffle to win this brand new CD, Sharia Plata from Shia Rubenstein. That's sitting nicely right next to me. Um. Anyways, the question is like this. It says Yaakov gave two brachas to Paro. Why did Yaakov give two brachas? We want to know why did Yaakov give two brachas. It says he gave... A bracha to Paro. Why did he give two brachas? The answer will be in the next show. And if you know the answer, you can text it in 347-927-8398. Unfortunately, I don't see it on the screen right near me. But hopefully Nisim gets the message. Or you can text me all week long. 347-927-3279. Or you can send your Mazel Tov right now to 347-927-8398. Or you can call... You can call the studio, 718-683-5858, or 
You can uh, send it to me during the week, 347-927-3279 or at newkishroniehour at gmail.com. Anyways, yeah, so, anyways, please be Ms. Powell for Alexander Zushab and Eliza. And yeah, so Shia Rubenstein is here, and we were talking about the, his CD, Shara Plata, and we're also going to ask him some questions. Um, when did you start playing the keyboard? When did I start playing the keyboard? So, believe it or not, although I play uh, chords and some other, you know, I, I play, but I'm not a proficient keyboard player. I play guitar as well, but I'm also not a proficient uh, guitar player. Um, most of what I do is actually singing. <clears throat> so, when did you start playing this? When was this? Was this done, uh, when you were a young boy, when you were a small kid, when you were an adult? So, that's actually, so that's actually the irony, going back to Nissim's uh, question. I unfortunately did not start at a very young age. I started first, I touched the piano the first time, I think I was about 14 or 15 years old. Oh, so you're still a kid then? Uh, a kid, but not, you know, not the same as when you started six or seven. And then I didn't touch it again until I was about 23. So um, I think, you know, starting late in life, it's true. It's, there's nothing like starting when you're a, uh, when you're a kid. But, um, but yeah, so I definitely uh, grasped onto it, but uh, not as good as if I started uh, at the right young age of see that kids if you start at a young age to start learning how to play an instrument you're gonna be able to notice for the rest of your life so the same way with uh learning um learning uh anything if you start at a young age and uh even if you don't get it and you're studying it over let's say about 10 times you're gonna get it and you're gonna be retaining with you throughout your life um so which instruments do you play so it's pretty much the guitar and the keyboard. Keyboard, no, no violin, no flute, no kazoo. I know uh, what uh, Eli Melech Adler. He knows how to play the thing right. with his nose. And he plays with the harmonica and uh, the guitar. Harmonica at the and same the guitar time. at the same time. I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah, he's great. I actually he, did a concert. He actually with might him. come in in a few weeks and uh, explain to kids how to do that because that's a pretty big talent. That's great. I actually did a concert with him in Las Vegas a few years ago. Vegas. It was a shul that called up. He had lived in Arizona at the time. And I came in from New York, so I uh, I reached out to him to uh, to play in Vegas and uh, in so the he play he plays with his nose. Uh, harmonica. Well, what he does is he has a harmonica and then he has a band around it, so that kind of holds it in place. And then he plays strumming the guitar. In- interesting. Is your family musical? Like, uh, do you get these musical from your family? Like Shrekey, I know Shrekey's family is pretty talented in musical. Do you have? Uh, so I, ha- I do have one brother who is a uh, Baltfilla, but my father was actually a Rav and a Sofer, so there was no music over there. So no, I don't come from a very <laughs> musical family, but I did come with a will to a will, become yeah. a musical person. I know. I, I, I've seen Shrekey said he had a will. He started in music when he was a young boy. I don't know if he wants me to mention it, but I've seen that he mentioned that. Uh, he got into a, some type of accident, and therefore, after that, he started singing. So, what, what 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 were you influenced by the old tapes, and what what uh, what influences you to type your music the way you do it? The uh, you know the kids should learn how to compose a song. Uh, like, what does it take? What what do we uh, think uh, before composing? The, is it like the davening, or like do we uh, do we think of a tune, or what do you do? That's a very good question, and it's funny that you say tapes, because people that uh, approach me over the last few weeks... Ask you for thinking, a CD or a record. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So it's funny how you can tell how old or, people or are. Or to download. Right. You can tell how old people are by the way they ask. 
I went to uh, the Agata convention the other week, and a fellow walked over to me, and he said, "Yes, I, I, I love I, you." I, I think I saw you there. Oh, okay. <laughs> so he told me, "I love your record." I'm like, "My record?" I said, "Give me at least I love your uh, CD instead of saying I love your iTunes <laughs> and download." But yeah, so it's funny. You can see, you know, if people say record, CD, tape, soundtrack, right, or download. But um, when I compose, I think um, I think that it's um, there's two ways of composing. I think it's either like how would a kid put a CD out there? I mean, you know, I know Jonathan Scheinfeld. I know the Kindleuch. I know I know uh, a few kids that have put out CDs. Uh, Yisrael uh, Amar has put out a CD. Uh, how, how do you? Well, what, what, what's in the, you know, what's the secret sauce? Yeah. yeah so I, I think the answer is there's two options. You can either find something that speaks to you because that's really what it's about. If you want to have a song that's really going to make it, you have to find a message that speaks to you. Sometimes it could be a message that you want to convey and you come up with a tune and then you find someone, a lyricist that can actually write the words appropriately for you. Sometimes you'll open up a sidra and a chumash and, uh, and you know, and you'll you'll just come across a pasuk that means much to you. I remember when I uh, once opened up a siddur and I started saying of Harachemim before Musaf on Shabbos, and I came to the pasuk of Harninu Goyamamai Kidam Avadecha Yinkaim. You know, Hashem, please avenge for the people that were killed, and you know, Al uh, Kiddush Hashem. And I was thinking, what type of song can I, you know, make that will actually tell the story because the beauty about song is is that sometimes you don't have to talk and explain if you sing that song correctly if you create that song correctly the song will speak for itself and that's what they used to say about the chazanim of yesteryear today it's not that popular but years ago they would call a chazan a zuger someone who said because essentially even though he wasn't even though he wasn't explaining what he was trying to say, but when you say with the right emotions and the right enunciations and you emphasize the correct, you know, um, words, you're telling a story. So it's all about telling a story. Um, so I think if you know how to play a musical instrument, then you just, you know, hit some chords and, you know, you, you start there, you hit a chord, you try to, again, you have, you have to have, you have to have it somewhat in you, but I think if you, you know, hit the chords and you play around with it, you know, you can get a piece of a song and then you build on it. And, um, yeah, so I, I think those are pretty much the So two let's ways. say a child that doesn't know how to play an instrument, that does draw, wants to sing, can he, uh, can he put out an album? Can he, uh, can he actually, uh, or so does number he have one, to know music? Or? So number one, children usually don't give out albums and it's not necessarily uh, a very... Well, they could think prof- of a good songs, right? Kids can think of great songs, but there's two things. First of all, kids don't usually give out albums. And if you do, it's not necessarily necessarily a profitable venture. You're doing it more to get your name out there. Number two, singing has nothing to do with playing instruments. You can create songs and sing without knowing how to play instruments. It's just that sometimes it makes it easier. So one has nothing to do with the other. And uh, yeah, so if you're a kid... If you're a wonderful boy and girl listening to this and you have talent and you love singing, you know, you, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with trying to perfect, whether it's your voice or your talent or trying to get uh, to learn how to, uh, to play an instrument. And then ultimately, uh, you can try to give a dab at creating a song, mm-hmm. but even if you can't create a song, you can still take other songs 
Like, for instance, Shire Haplate, actually, I actually took all of these songs, are not songs that I composed. We'll discuss it now, but uh, this is a beautiful album, and I didn't compose yeah, one song. Give me a one second. I have a few more questions, because this is like, uh, you know, because uh, sometimes a kid would make a mistake, and, you know, he'll make a mistake in front of a crowd, and he'll feel I'm very embarrassed. Now, while we're talking about mistakes, uh, did... Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure every singer must have made a mistake in front of performance. So I'm wondering, how do you handle the mistake? Or what do you, you know, do you cover up? Or what do you do? You know, wow, you're asking a lot of good questions. I'm just no, wondering I'm if just, everybody uh, is waiting to hear about that. But now I'm, <laughs> I'm more than happy to answer all your questions. And um, well, do, you know, so children make a lot of mistakes. Uh, I know in front of crowds, they make a mistake. Why children? I'm saying everybody makes mistakes, everybody and sometimes in front of crowds. So you know, so was, I'm wondering how we handle such an, uh, you know, an entertainer going in front of a whole, let's say, twenty-seven. What was it, twenty-seven sixty-one? Yeah, came the previous night on yeah. Hanukkah. So yeah, let's say uh, that performance, someone uh, the entertainer made a mistake. Oh, you know, how do you handle that? So that's a very good question. The first time I sang in public, I was sixteen years old. Of course, I sang in choirs when I was younger, but that's not singing alone because you're singing with. Um, you know, 10 or 20 other kids. But the first time I remember, I was invited to sing at a wedding in Chicago at the airport, and I was really nervous. It was the first time that I sang in front of a crowd of 400 people at a wedding. And I was thinking to myself, what happens if I start on a key that's too high or too low, or I miss a beat? And um, there's no question that it is difficult the first time until you get used to it, and it's okay. You're allowed to be nervous, but... If you let the nervous consume you, if you let your nerves consume you, then it's going to be very difficult. You know, you have to take a few deep breaths and just imagine that you're there and no one else is there listening to you or that, you know, you can't see anybody, you close your eyes or, you know, everybody has a little bit of a different approach. But ultimately, just be confident, know that it's okay if you make a little mistake like Moshe said, you can cover it up. I just continue. If you start singing and then you stop in the middle and you feel like, oh boy, I just failed. Everyone's going to know. First of all, half the time people don't even realize or don't pay attention. You're singing at a wedding. You're singing at a bar mitzvah. People are doing other things. So they're not paying attention to every single word. And even if they are, as long as you continue and show the confidence that everything's fine, Half the time they won't even realize, and if they do, they'll think that it was intentional. And again, in the worst, worst case scenario, if something goes wrong, just continue, and you learn from your mistakes. And um, yeah, and that's 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 really uh, what it is. You know, I did a concert, like Mike said, this this week, and two concerts I did on Sunday, and together we had about twenty five or twenty six hundred people that attended. Twenty seven sixty one? No, wasn't the right number. <clears throat> Well, I don't remember the exact number, but there were a lot of people. But the beauty about that is when you do a concert and you go into a large stage, they shine so many lights on you that you actually don't see anybody in the audience, so it's beautiful. Oh, so the, you don't see anybody. So <laughs> and besides, me, you're probably just focusing on what you're singing. Right. But the problem with not seeing people is you can't read them and you can't pick up the energy. Mm-hmm. So usually you sing and you see what people are into or not, and that helps you. But uh-huh. on the flip side, when you don't see anybody, it makes it a little uh-huh. bit more difficult. But, um, but Baruch Hashem, I've been doing this All right. for now, 20 one, years. One last question. Do you teach the music? Let's say teaching the keyboard, teaching these instruments. Do you teach them how to play? Do you teach kids how to play? Or? I don't. Oh. I don't I don't teach kids how to play. But, Would you um, want 
I'm busy. I do a lot of different things. And I actually, I still have teachers, believe it or not, that come to my house. My kids take uh, different uh, music lessons, mostly different piano and guitar. Oh, wow. And believe it or not, I still have every Wednesday a music teacher that comes uh, uh, to uh, to help me with uh, with with different uh, instruments as well. Wow, that's that's interesting. Yeah. So, what type of instruments is your favorite instrument? We're not talking about playing. What type of instrument is your favorite? That's a very good question. I would have to say, for your realistic purposes, the guitar. But I do love the sound of the violin. There's the no violin, yeah. no other sound like the violin. <laughs> Uh, anyway, there you yeah, go. I know you, that sound. See, we have a live violin in the studio. <laughs> right. I, I'm, uh, believe it or not, I am uh, pretty good in that. Yeah. No boasting, but I could do the, <laughs> you know, the acapella stuff. I could do that. Oh, that's great. If, uh, people hired me. Yeah. But, uh, anyways, talking, uh, getting back to, we have Shui at Rubenstein in the studio, and we're now going to discuss his, uh, new, uh, new CD that came out, uh, how many weeks ago again? Uh, about, uh, two and a half weeks ago. Two and a half weeks. So I see the name Sharia Plato. What's the? Well, how did you come out with the meaning of Sharia Plato? Yeah. So the name of the CD is called Sharia Plato. Sharia Plato. And it's my mistake, a, guys. Sharia Plato. Yeah, close enough. And it's a takeoff of um, the people that survived the Holocaust were referred to as Sharia uh, Plato. So. What I did is uh, I had done a um, an event for Holocaust survivors at the JCC of Marine Park uh, about a year ago, and I noticed that when I came up to speak, a few of the people asked me to sing, and when I got up to sing, I saw that that crowd understands Yiddish, and I started singing some Yiddish songs, and I saw how much it meant to them. Um, it brought them back to a time when they were young. Remember that Yiddish is the first language for most, if not all, of Holocaust survivors, and many people still speak Yiddish today, although a lot of people don't speak Yiddish anymore. But of course, for the elderly and for the Holocaust survivors, it's still their first language. So I decided, <coughs> what better gift to give our survivors, our grandparents, than to make a beautiful Yiddish album. So in order to make it meaningful, I actually um, I found songs that were created before the Holocaust by people who did not survive the Holocaust. How long did it take you to find these songs? So my mother was very into Yiddish, and that's, you know, I speak Yiddish very well for that reason. That's funny, my mother, my grandmother was into Hungarian, and, you know, one of the famous ones, Solosh Kokosh. Oh, yeah. Do you speak at least a little Hungarian? Uh, yeah, yes, uh, I speak a little a bit. A little bit. But I'm not going to speak it on the radio, that's going to sound kind of funny. There <laughs> right? you go. What do you so, say? So, Ken? Why not? Your talent <laughs> to languages? Yes. Take it. So essentially, I started. Um, so I, I I spoke Yiddish uh, growing up, and uh, even though I grew up in the Bronx, I spoke uh, Yiddish already there. And uh, and I my mother was very oh. into Yiddish, so I had all the different Yiddish zmiras booklets, and mm-hmm. um, I knew a lot of survivors, and I just got to know a lot of Yiddish songs. And I actually every Shabbos would sing Yiddish songs at the Shabbos table, not a lot, but one every Shabbos. So I knew uh-huh. a lot so of Yiddish songs. So we interviewed your kid. Uh, the, if your child came in here, <clears throat> how old is your child? So Baruch Shem, I have many children. I have five children. And yes, they all know Yiddish songs, whether they speak Yiddish or not. And you said some of them are musical, right? Some of them are musical. Oh, well, Actually, I all of them are I, musical. I, would, I wouldn't mind uh, if somebody came in. Just not the one with the drums, please. There you go. So actually, The one with the drums. No offense, just we can't fit drums in this uh, 
a small room. Uh, we're going to have to maybe when we upgrade the studio, then maybe we can bring some uh, big That's drums. That's right. Listen, we have to make a campaign to upgrade the studio to get all the musicians and instruments in. For pay the debt. Yeah, no, so all my kids are musical. They all play an instrument, either oh, guitar or piano. Amazing. And um, yeah, so they, they understand Yiddish, but for those who don't understand it as well, still sp- sing all my Yiddish songs. Okay, boys and girls out there, if you have a question for uh, Shia Rubinstein of how did he start, what, what, what did he feel like when he started, or etc., you can call in 718-683-5858 or text 347-927-8398 and Nisim is going to be very happy to read it off to us or uh, just to send it to me. Yeah, anyways, talking about the new CD of Sharia Plata that uh, Shia Rubinstein came out and uh, I recommend everybody uh, who speaks Yiddish or who doesn't speak Yiddish to get it. It's a uh, very inspiring tunes. I've heard some of them and uh, let's start with the first one. I, I was uh, Before this, I want to read the text. My favorite is Vayetzev. That's yes. Shia, that's you. Uh, your song? My, v- Viat, yeah, that's on my last album. Yeah, okay. So somebody... <coughs> they, they, they like that. <coughs> what is the tune to that one? Oh, okay. Well, well first of all, get, thank by you. By the way, I didn't get the email for you yet. Oh, you didn't get the email? No. Hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I sent it to you, you but since... You can send it later. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But <laughs> since we're live, I guess I'll... Uh, but um, thank you so much for Vyatsev. Yeah, so that was a great song. That was a Vyatsev. Uh, oh, yeah. And I remember the tune is coming back to my head. Yeah, so it's a very good. Uh, so ju- the song <coughs> just pops in your head, you said? or just No, like- no, no. So most of the songs actually on my album, my last album, most of them are either co-composed or composed by other people. Yeah, but you, co- you compose your own songs, I compose correct? songs as well, yeah. But you know how it is. You compose songs, and then you meet with uh, professionals, and they and other and people they tell you that to send fix you this, fix that. Yeah, no, no. Waldner. I know all these people. Yeah, so it's it's not that you meet with them and they tell you. What happens is you'll come up with a great song, and then you'll meet Yitzi Waldner, and he gives you an even better even song. better song. Right. And then you're like, oh, I'm not going to sing my song. This sounds much better. But with Yitzi Waldner, I actually co-composed two songs. So I came to him with. With the with the model, and I said, "This is what I want it to sound like." How, how did and you come out with the song "Window in Heaven"? So, "Window in Heaven" was the same idea. That I, was the Hanukkah one, right? It well, it came out Hanukkah, right? Very good. So, I came to Yitzi and I said, "This is what I want it to sound like." I gave him a bunch of bars, and then I told him the message that I'm trying to convey, and I told him how I needed it to be low and how it should modulate. Wow. And then, then we started making it, and you know, it was it wasn't good? It was good. Okay, we had part A, we had part B. What does the chorus sound like? So you kind of build it slowly, but he's brilliant. He does a great job at uh, at doing music, and it was amazing working with him. And I worked with Baruch Levine, and I worked with oh, Yossi I, Green. I know Baruch Levine very well. Yeah, and I worked with a fantastic talent, Speaker Borenstein, who in my next upcoming album, I'm putting out another album in March. <coughs> He created um, a couple of amazing songs, and he actually mm-hmm. he actually um, composed, produced, and directed my music video called "One Tiny Light." One tiny light. One tiny light drives the darkness away with just one single ray. It's funny you sound the same now, and you sound the same by the counts. It's unbelievable. There you go. I sound like the same guy. But if you uh, if you go to YouTube or if you go to iTunes, any digital platform, and you type in "one tiny light," you can definitely hear my uh, 
my latest music video that uh, just came out. And by the way, I just want to let um, all um, all uh, J listeners know that. Oh yes, I forgot Yiddish... to mention right here. We have Sharia Plita CDs, and if you get the answer, you get one of them. Okay, I just want to mention that although this album is a Yiddish album, there's a booklet inside with an English translation. So besides for you know, following the songs, if you don't know Yiddish or you don't know exactly what everything means. So you can follow in English. You can follow in English. Wow. And I want to put out another um, offer. If anyone who's listening to this CD is a elderly person or a Holocaust survivor, I would love to give you this CD free of charge. So if you're able to uh, email me or if you're able to uh, call my office... If, if Moshe allows me to give out the information, I'd gladly do that. And if you're an elderly person or a Holocaust survivor, it would be my privilege to uh, send it to you in the mail as a gift for wow, yourself. That's, that's a beautiful And by the way, I gave out 3,000 CDs to Holocaust survivors so far over the past two weeks. I did it for the most part did through... Did you say 3,000? I did 3,000. 3, I, I did it primarily through um, the different JCCs and uh, federations that help Holocaust survivors. So that's how I did it quickly. I also did a beautiful concert when I launched the CD two weeks ago. <clears throat> I did it at the Museum of Jewish Heritage, and I had 250 Holocaust survivors 250. at the concert. And I brought also the uh, Swedish ambassador to come speak. And uh, I gave a concert. It was really beautiful. And then, of course, as they left, you know, we gave them a copy of the CD, but if uh, if you'd like to send me an email, my email address is Shia, S-H-E-A, Rubenstein, R-U-B-E-N-S-T-E-I-N, at, at gmail.com. Gmail and my number at the office is 718-407-1832, 718-407-1832. I have a different number over here, no? That's not the... Well, I have different numbers for different things, right? <laughs> okay, I'm not going to give that one out. <clears throat> okay, yeah, but uh, if uh, an elderly person, a Holocaust survivor, I'd love to. This music, this uh, this CD is Barsham selling very well, and it's available on CD in all Jewish music stores. It's also available on every digital platform. So if it's YouTube, Instagram, yeah. if it's uh, iTunes, Apple okay. Music, Google Play, it's available. Spotify, it's available on all the. Uh, Okay, since it's almost Shabbos, how does the tune Shabbos <coughs> I go? I, that one I didn't hear, but I've heard the, uh, some of the other ones. Okay, so um, yeah, so this is a great song. And uh, I'll sing you a few bars here. I wish you had the music pre-recorded so you can so, just play. Yeah, I'm sure that Nisim can work on that. But in the meanwhile, I'll I'll sing a little bit for you. And it goes like this. Lamidu umfangen mit freilechige Sangen, welle mesech geben anem. In singens medes is bechis vishidish abesayim lashem. In singen mit kavune, le covidem atunifim bashef evosis in skitrai. Is jedem echief zu streben in nashei vechzigeben, mi oitzo alibirini inai. 
I say Lishmarke Mitzvah Hashem. Shabbos is Heilig. In Weiles and Zechaylik. Shabbos Hayom Lashem. Wow, that's unbelievable. Yeah. Oh, my question, uh, just to people that the kids that don't understand Yiddish, can you translate it a little bit? Sure. So as I mentioned to you, there is a booklet uh, that has the full English translation. English or no, that's impossible. Oh, you know what? I never tried, so I don't think I want to do it live on the radio oh. for the first time. But just to give you an idea, so basically, um, one of the Zmiris that we sing on Shabbos is Shabbos Hayim. And this is kind of a takeoff where they took the song, but instead of just Hebrew, they turned it into a Yiddish version of it. So it's like a play on the song. So it's uh, the song starts saying... You know, let's start and sing beautiful songs, um, including the Zmiras for Shabbos, so we can thank Hashem, because today is Shabbos Hayyim Lashem. Today is the day of Shabbos. We're going to sing with Kavana, and we're going to thank Hashem for the Matana, because He was very um, trusting to us. What did Hashem give? He gave us the Shabbos. And then it keeps on playing through, uh, you know, the fact that Hashem... Is so good to us. He gave us the Shabbos. He gave us the rest. He gave us great food. And we shouldn't think about it so much, but just, you know, buy more food for Shabbos and let's have an amazing Shabbos. And then we're saying that the Shabbos is Hayach, which means it's very high. And, right, Shabbos is the highest day of the week. And we should do mitzvahs. Shabbos is holy. And, you know, it's kind of like a play on Shabbos. So again, you know, repeating it in English brings it down a notch, and then it obviously doesn't start to uh, rhyme anymore. But um, even if you don't understand it, just follow it on the English side, and it's going to make more sense because I just uh, did not read it. Uh, Anyways, talking about Asar Batavis, I see a song in there that was called, I believe, Gullus. Gullus, yeah. <clears throat> so Gullus is a very famous song. I'm sure uh, most people know it. And it goes like this. Hoi gales, hoi gales, figurais pisti. Hoi shrene agdoishe, vivat pisti. Gules, hoi gules, kemaveg inimin. Lamishain baidit, samin, tizamin kemin. I go less, I go less, we grow is pisty. I shrene agdoishe, vivat pisty. Then the gules, Walt Klanegevein, Waltishrene agdoishe, Naintegevein. And what that means, and again, I apologize, you know, my voice is a little bit off tonight, but. You um, think at too many counts? <coughs> yeah. So Gullis, Gullis was actually made by the Kalava Rebbe, who was about 150 years ago. Not this Kalava Rebbe, but the previous one. His grandfather. Grandfather. And it's basically saying, Gullis, Gullis, how endless are you? Holy Shechina, how beautiful are you? Gullis, Gullis, please get taken away so the Shechina can reunite with the Yidden. 
So it's uh, pretty much a, a oh. bakasha and, a, and, and you yeah, know, davening to Hashem that Hashem should make the gullus go away so Hashem can become closer to us. I'm, I'm sure the kids not, listening to that song, uh, <coughs> and if they uh, heard, uh, maybe you should put it in English uh, version, huh? Yeah. And actually, the Kalavarebbe, he also um, made the song Salakakash that you mentioned oh, did before. He really? Oh. That's a real uh, Hungarian song. I'll sing you a few bars of it. Interesting. <clears throat> it's a real Hungarian. So for those of you who understand Hungarian, Naisale Kakash. I think that every week. Okay. Yeah, so it's wow. it's very nice. Interesting. So uh, I recommend everybody get the Sharia Plato. And as uh, Shia Rubenstein said, his uh, n- a new CD is coming out in March, I believe, right? March? So this CD just sometime came out. In, sometime they- in March, he's going to come out with a new CD. And the, but get the Sharia Plato. It's uh, pre-Holocaust. Sharia Plato, right? Sharia Plato. So the name of this album is called Shire, like, sh- sh- like Shirim. Shire Haplato. Ah, Shire. Oh, oh, okay. Shire Haplato. Okay. The and song it's- of the... The leftover, that's like right. The, the song of the leftover the, because of the pre-Holocaust, yes. right? Interesting. It so sounds this, as also, you know, it sounds like the Sherita Plita, the leftover. You know, okay, but uh, Shere, it's very good, very good name. Right. So it's actually because of the Sherita Plita. That's why these songs were all made before the Holocaust by people who didn't survive the Holocaust. So that's why I chose this name. And this CD just came out two weeks ago. It's available in stores or online on all major digital platforms. And my next CD, which I started singing songs from already, you can see them on YouTube, and I sang it at a con- at a concert with Nissan Black this week. That CD is going to be released in uh, March, March uh, sometime after Purim, right? Yeah, so it's going to be released uh, in March, and uh, I'm very excited. There's going to be English and modern English Hebrew. And Hebrew, okay. That's yeah. going to be interesting. It's going to be a beautiful album, for sure. But focusing on the now... This is the album right. to I, I actually yeah. recognize the first name. Hello, Kaepernick. It's funny. <coughs> I know him very, very well. Happens to be a good friend from Mountaindale Yeshiva. So, Hello, Kaepernick. Thank you so much for uh, presenting the CD. And, uh, yeah. Um, I, I you know, now just know that we are here now. On, on the, sure. The time is flying away, you know, just almost till we finish that. As I said, we have so much fun here. Time flies. Time, exactly. time flying. And uh, my question to you, you know, the, you, I know that you are not a singer in your really line on the life, you know. Uh, and talk about uh, your personal life a little bit, if you don't mind, you know, what you're doing. Uh, right, because I know. you're involved, you know, all this other stuff. You know, I know that you're involved with the community. Uh, programs and a lot of stuff that uh, benefits our community. Yes, so I do wear a lot of different hats and uh, I don't like to sound like a jack of all trades. So, you know, every day when I do some, when I'm doing something, I try to stick with that hat. But um, Baruch Hashem, uh, I have the schus to be involved in community and uh, Nisim, uh, I'm uh, proud to say that you're a part of the community as well. And uh, I run the organization called the JCC of Marine Park, which acts as an advocate for the community. It's uh, it's like an umbrella organization. 
So um, I founded the organization with two friends in 2008. So it's about uh, 10 years now. And Baruch Hashem, it grew to an amazing organization that offers over 25 different services and programs. And not only for Marine Park, it actually, uh, we have a lot of our programs that are citywide. So it's uh, very, very gratifying to be able to help, you know, thousands of people throughout the year. And once again, many different programs. And uh, so that's that's something I'm very proud of. And within the JCC, you know, we publish a magazine and we have a Tamcha Shabbos and we have social services and jobs programs and computer courses and youth programs. So the list goes on and on, Baruch Hashem. And then in my other life, I am also a builder. I have a construction company and that's what I do for a living. So like this, I can do some chesed and I can do the singing, which is a uh, wonderful hobby and something I love very so much. So singing you don't do for a living. Um, <laughs> I, I know some singers, they you know do what I always say? for a living. I say that I do singing for a living, but I pay my bills doing something else. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Baruch Hashem, well, having that. But yeah. you live on uh, making people happy. That's basically what it is. This is what we were put on earth for. I always tell my children, you can be someone who wakes up, works, and go to sleep, or you can wake up and make a difference in the world and make a difference to so many other people. So, um, Baruch Hashem, I am a professional singer. I did get professional training. I'm singing for 23 years. I'm a chazan. I do, right, so, I do get so paid. So where did you get your training from? So, and yeah, I'm saying when I say non-professional, I, I am a professional singer. I got trained, um, I went to Moshe Kohn, who was a voice teacher many years ago. I don't know. And then I went to some opera singers. I went oh. to YU. So I got professional training, and then I became a chazan at 17, and I'm still a chazan ever it's since. It's true that uh, natural, some people are born naturally with this voice, right? So the way I say it is, you can always develop your potential. You'll, you can become the best Moshe. You can become the best Nissim, but you cannot become Shaggy. you cannot become the best Moshe Stern, Vinci and Miller, Chazan. You can't become the best Shweki singer. Shweki can become the best Shweki. You can become the best you. So if right. you want to just become somebody else, that's not that's great. not going to work, right? You so have to try to become the best you. Don't look at somebody else what they have. As Shia Rubenstein nicely put it, try the best you can, and uh, if you try. Your best, Hashem will help you. And uh, so this CD was put out two weeks ago, as he said, and uh, we are very happy to have uh, Shia Rubenstein that was here with us. Um, so I have to tell you messages to share with children. Uh, yeah, first of all, I just want to tell you that, you know, just speaking about the singing, Sabrachim, I've been a Chazan for 23 years and uh, given many concerts, including this past Sunday. I gave two concerts with Nessun Black. I gave a concert last week at the Jewish Children's Museum. With Mandy Pellin over there. I gave with Mandy Pellin a concert. I'm going to have to interview him. Yeah. He's a great guy. Love him. He's a, uh, he's he's, a comedian. He's good. He's a great comedian. But um, I've Baruch been afforded a lot of great opportunities because of the singing. I sang for many rebbes. I sang for uh, many elected officials, including mayors and governors. And um, yeah, I've, uh, I've, I've done a lot of interesting things, you know, sang at embassies and I've done a lot of interesting things because of the singing. I believe so you were by the White House. Were you? By the I was White by the White House. Yeah, I met the president last yeah. week. Yeah, I went to the yeah. White House. Uh, what do you think? How, how do you think the president felt uh, the, with so many people on top of him? You think he felt pressured? So the president <laughs> does this often. He's good. He's good. He. Uh, I'm not worried for him. He's. Uh, 
He's a busy man. He comes out and uh, he loves interacting. Remember that his son-in-law and his daughter are from people and he likes the Jewish community. He has an affinity for the Jewish community. And, you know, he uh, he helped get Rabashkin out and he he does, you know, he cares. So uh, it's good that we have a friend in the White House. You know, even if I always say, even if you don't agree with everything that he does or says, you have to know when to... Uh, you know, you have to understand that when it comes to an elected official, a politician, it's an issue by issue. You can't write off a politician because he's a Democrat, he's a Republican. He, Every issue, sometimes they can be good on one thing and bad on something else. That doesn't mm-hmm. mean you throw the baby out with the bathwater. Right. But mm-hmm. overall, I was very, I felt very fortunate. And not only did I meet the president, but remember that 300 people come from all over the country yeah. And these are 300 uh, people who are Askanim or influencers. Yeah. So I met a lot of amazing people. I had a great conversation with Betsy DeVos. I know Kosher Guru was there. Um, uh, he, the Jack's yeah. uh, Turks. He was part of the press. I was, um, hmm? I was, uh, I met Ben okay. Shapiro. Anyways, I'm sorry uh, to, cut, I you to cut you off. I know just really, our really time is running. We have one minute left. Um, I do want to repeat. That the Parsha riddle, the Parsha question, it says Yaakov gave two brachas. Why did Yaakov give two brachas? And the answer will be in the next show. If you know the answer, text it to 347-927-3279. It's similar to the JRU Radio one, and I purposely made it that way. This way it does not get that confusing. So you could be in a raffle to win the Shade Aplata and uh, that we just talked about. Um, and the sponsorship is available, or you can advertise with me, or you can advertise with Jerry Radio, either one. We both get the money anyways, but uh, I'm going to do a, offering a special deal if you advertise on my show. That's till January, you have $25 per show. $25 per show is pretty decent. We do have 